At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I don't need headphones, do I? Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK and WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here, checking out the episode. Uh, Please do hit the subscribe button for I put out three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artist and discover some new ones as well. Of course, the usual spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merritt. Today, I get to talk with one of my favorites, Joan Jett. New album, it's called Change Up. It's her very first all-acoustic album, and it finds uh, classics and deep cuts really being stripped down to the roots. Uh, we're going to get into what prompted the project, as well as when she turned down MTV when they asked her to do the very first uh, MTV Unplugged, and how songs like uh, Cherry Bomb and Victim of Circumstance change with the new set, and with the recent uh, 40th anniversaries uh, last year, Bad Reputation and I Love Rock and Roll, that had an influence on her song choices as well. I also want to hear about 1987's Light of Day. That's the movie that she co-starred with Michael J. Fox in. Uh, 35th anniversary of that one. The title track is also in this collection, so we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, recording a tribute to the late Mia Zapata in the band Evil Stig, and wanting to do a second volume of these acoustic songs, as well as if she consider a new record of songs in this style. Uh, Joan's also going to preview the upcoming summer tour with Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Poison, tell us how she got her trademark scream from T-Rex's Mark Bolin, and details her new guitar with Epiphone as well. All that and even more. We're talking about Change Up. It's Kyle Meredith with Joan Jett. Hi, how you doing, Kyle? It's great to see you again, and uh, it's great to see you with a, a brand new release that we're going to be talking about called uh, called Change Up. This is fun. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, sort of uh, unexpected in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is billed as your first all acoustic record. Now, the last time you and I sort of uh, caught up a little bit was during the first lockdown, and you were really gracious enough to do uh, an acoustic uh, track for uh, for Morning Joe. Uh, that we were doing over there on MSNBC. And and you started doing a lot of those, as did a lot of the artists. Is that what this record is born from, those lockdown sessions? Well, the lockdown sessions, and I believe right before the COVID thing started, we had a, a, a documentary that came out called Bad Reputation. And during the, um, you know, the previews for it, we went to the theater in Los Angeles and we were going to do a little, little, you know, a few songs and it just really didn't make sense to set up electric, although I probably would have preferred that just because I'm used to it. So we did a little acoustic thing and did Bad Reputation. We did about four or five songs and yeah, it came off really well and just better and different than I expected. And, and I think it made me approach the songs a little bit differently. Um, uh, but I didn't really get a chance to delve into it there at the at the movie thing. So, but yeah, that started sort of the spark is to, it might be interesting to try some of these songs, you know, some of our songs in an acoustic way. And it really changes your relationship to it, to the lyrics, to everything. 
how, how so in that? Because, I mean, obviously these are songs that, you know, some of these you've been playing for decades. Some of them are a little bit newer, but, uh, but like, how much does that actually change how you approach it? Well, I think because when I'm listening to it, when I listen back to the acoustic stuff, it's just, a, it's a different person than, you know, the rock and roll stuff. With rock and roll, you know, maybe sometimes the voice is affected or I double it or, it, and for me, the acoustic thing doesn't feel, it feels like it should be stripped down. Like some of those things you do in the studio uh, when you're playing electric, don't, to me, don't necessarily translate to the acoustic thing. So I wanted to strip it back and be like, you know, if you're sitting in a living room, you're not necessarily going to have reverb or echoes or all sorts of stuff. You're just going to be very intimate pretty much with with the sounds and so and also during during this whole covid lockdown stuff i spent a lot of time sort of um playing guitar just with the songs and it just sort of you want to be intimate i think um it made us all realize or or at least some of us during the the, the lockdowns we became we understood the things that were more important to us you know we got lost in the in the rat race of the world and your career and everything and you're going, going. And I think a lot of people realize they wanted to slow down, whatever that means to them. Um, and be more intimate with the things they're involved in in life. And, and so for me, a big part of that is, is music. And so to look at these songs differently, it forced me to play some riffs differently, not force, but it, it allows you to, I guess. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I had a really good time doing it. I wish I'd spent more time uh, examining some of the songs for an acoustic treatment because I feel like sometimes I might have rushed it too much and there could have been more difference. But then that gives me a chance, an opportunity, if we ever do this live and like do a little acoustic tour or something, then I'll really get to explore those songs that maybe I didn't take far enough this time. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of thinking how surprising it was that, like, you you never did like an MTV Unplugged when that was the big thing, right? No, no. Did they, did, was that ever even an option? Did you guys ever consider that back then? I was the first one they asked, but I didn't want to do it. You know, it was just not what we did, and I wasn't comfortable like that. You know, and you know, everybody. I, I think of when I hear Unplugged, I think of Nirvana. So, you know, um, and they sure did it well. So I should have thought twice. But, you know, by that, I was happy just sticking with the electric stuff. So Well, it, it has been fun hearing what you've done with these that, that we've heard so far. But the really interesting thing, I mean, this, the digital version of this, what, 25 tracks, I believe, something like that, which gave you the opportunity to go just beyond those hits. I mean, the deeper cuts, I think, you know, as far as the fans go, really seeing those i mean seeing that track list is like oh really this is what we're pulling out what was the process of choosing the songs i mean what were you looking for anything specifically wow that's a good question uh, you know some of it was just things that we were doing live at the time you know uh, that we had been doing off our last studio album uh and we've been switching around songs so we had a chance to put more songs in that fans might not have had a chance to hear live and plus you know then you get a chance to sing the lyrics you get a chance to you know show the songs off and um and you know so for me it's a little bit about going back and showing off some of those songs that maybe were not paid attention to at all you know the first time except for some for the fans like did any did any gems like did you did you get favorites out of this like, well, wow, this was really cool that we got to pull this one back out and, and look how it shines. Well, yeah, there was there's one that kind of was a favorite of mine because it it sort of changed. It's, you know, the, the melody changed and everything changed. And that's a song called Victim of Circumstance that, that we do. And I just I just like the way the melody it's, just, it's the same lyrics and stuff, but it's just the melody took on a different context. And so the harmonies were different. It just is it, a different song. And, you know, we did, we've done, uh, we did Cherry Bomb, which to me sounds completely different, but it's, it's so, I love it. I think it's really cool and sexy, 
sexy, but it, I, I think it always was supposed to be sexy, but it, it, it's moody and sort of got a, a different mood about it. It's almost, I don't want to say spooky because that's not it, but it's just got a, oh, I can't think of the word. Um, it, just a difference, a sort of coolness about it, but it's got the same vibe. It's just a, a laid back expression of it. And it still has the menace, but in a different way. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was surprised by it and wasn't sure that it would even set, that it would come off, you know, that we didn't know what songs would work or ones we'd have to go, you know, forget, forget this. This won't work, even though it's a hit. It's just not going to work. Uh, and Bad Reputation, which is one of the ones that we did at the, the first, when we did this movie thing, which uh, we recorded that version. And um and then we recorded another version. So there's actually a couple of acoustic versions of Bad Reputation, and they're both different. So they both got their own vibe to it. But it's, you know, it's, it's just an interesting thing that I discovered late in life to play these songs like this. So it's fun, you know, to still be able to discover something like that uh, this, this late in the game for me. Especially after you've had that relationship with a song like Cherry Bomb, especially for for that long. Find something new with it, yeah, was was a lot of fun, you know, and surprised me. It makes makes me a fan all over again, you know. Well, like I said, especially you know, from us being fans, and as I was mentioning, seeing that track list, I mean, I, I pulled out "You Can't Get Me," um, "Coney Island Whitefish," you know, seeing those on there, like stuff that I wouldn't have expected. Uh, but also, like there was, I, I was actually when I started thinking, I was like, man, I really hope she, you know, also did some of the newer tracks. And what I was happy to see uh, Soulmates to Strangers that, you know, that goes not that far back. And I don't know, was that part of your, your thinking too? Like, uh, you know, the opportunity to not just represent, you know, some of that early stuff, but, but to, and Fresh Start uh, is on here as well, which is still yeah. one of my favorite songs of the past, you know, few years. Like, was that, did, 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 did you want to do that? Make sure that that, you know, part of your career was also, here absolutely absolutely it wasn't just about you know going back and it also started because you know this this year's um or last year was god it goes so fast 20 uh 2021 was the 40th anniversary of bad reputation and i love rock and roll both those albums coming out that year so um you know sort of investigating that's how some of this started investigating the albums looking at at what we might want to look at but it certainly didn't just stay with those first two albums you know we looked all through it and you know had to stop at some point because we could have probably done 20 more yeah i, I started thinking of um a few of the ones that you know you, you didn't touch and uh, you know we some of the uh stuff from fetish and uh, um oh what uh, what was i writing like uh, the evil stig stuff like, I, I started thinking a little bit like, oh, I wonder what that would have sounded like, you know, just that opportunity if you had gone further, like the heavier stuff in the acoustic and. Right. Uh, well, believe, with the, I thought about Fetish and Fetish, we were going to do it. But, you know, now we have to get to a, to a volume two. So that'll be in volume two, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's what I mean, that there's more to get to. And, uh, you know, with the evil sig that would probably be great but you know then I, i'd have to talk to those, the guys about it and see how they felt you know if they even want me to try that but yeah there, there was some great songs there too just a, a side note i'm here in louisville of course uh mia um you know her final resting place is probably i think two miles from my house right here at, uh, if wow it's just a little yeah little little side note there anyway um powerful yeah, we're musician of, we're speaking of mia zapata from the band the gets which Tragically, she was murdered in 1991, I believe it was. And her band, um, we did, you know, some things together to raise money for for uh, a private eye, and um, we called it Evil Stig, which was the gets backwards. And so uh, I just thought that was such a cool name, and we went out and did a little tour, and you know, raised some money to to keep the investigator on it. And you know, eventually, ten years later, they found the guy. Like I said, what a powerful legacy that she left behind too. And then, you yeah. know, getting home alive started out of that, you know, it's just, totally. the, yeah, yeah. One other track on here, and, and, and this kind of works a little bit with the anniversary, uh, Light of Day, also a favorite of mine that gets on here, which ties back, you know, to, to the movie that you did. 
which I think I read was like 35th anniversary, maybe this year or last year uh, uh, of that one, which uh, again, that, that's one of those fun ones too. Um, I hadn't looked at that movie in, in quite a long time, but I did go back and, and, and check out some spots of that. Oh, really? What? Yeah. What a fun time capsule it is. That's that's what it is. I mean, and I don't know. I, I had wondered one thing, um, especially like looking at your career trajectory at that time. I mean, you know, sort of just you had the hits that roll right into that. And then Michael J. Fox at the same time, who was just coming off his own massive success. I right. mean, was that sort of like one of those white heat moments as far as superstardom goes of having both of you guys on a set at that time? What, what do you mean? I just feel like, especially knowing like eighties, like paparazzi style, just the way stardom went, it, it just feels like, man, that must've been like a sort of, um, I mean, I feel like as again, I, I say as a fan, as a superstar epicenter of the world at that moment. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you, rock and roll was absolutely not, not part of the paparazzi scene until social media and reality shows. And then all of a sudden, rock musicians became celebrities. Before that, they weren't. We were never tapped, ever. I mean, you know, I never had to worry about that. Even with Michael, I don't remember Paps being around at all. And, you know, he was at that serious, you know, pinnacle. And, um, you know, it was it was an amazing moment, but it wasn't like what you would imagine it to be, like, you know, the Twilight self. How was the uh, jam sessions uh, at that time? Is, is, is Michael, a, is, he, is he a good guitar player? Yeah, he's a very good guitar player. And we, you know, was, we formed a real little band for the movie and went and played some gigs at the corner bar in Cleveland, I think it was, because we filmed a couple months, huh? Euclid. Euclid, Euclid Tavern in Cleveland. So we were there for, I think, a couple months and then in Chicago for eight months doing that movie. And it was, um, you know, it was intense, very intense. It wasn't all laughs, you know what I mean? Because it was sort of a drama, um, cancer movie, which, you know, kind of a heavy vibe. Yeah, well, I, and, and just going back, I mean, like you were on it, like you, that's the, your scenes were great. Like I said, it was, um, it, it was, it was fun to watch that. I didn't notice it. I didn't know until I was doing the research for it. I, I didn't know back then, of course, that Trent Reznor was in a couple of the, uh, the, the local band scenes too. That was. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. You know, before, I think probably soon after he started Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. But... Like I said, a fun little time capsule that you guys put together um, with that one. So, so back to the present anyway, uh, sorry, I'm getting off. That's, my okay. That, that's quite okay. <laughs> so a change up. Um, you know, uh, you, again, fresh start you with the documentary. We have that soundtrack. You're going into this one um, and, and talking about maybe a possibility of a, a volume two at some point. But do you consider now of, you know, it's been, I think about it, you know, almost a decade since the last full studio album. Like, could you do an actually album of originals? Are you all thinking in that, too, of like writing some in, in this style? Yeah, well, I mean, we always are. I know, I know. Um... The band just sent me, uh, the guitar player just sent me a song, so I know stuff is is happening. Um, yeah, but that's not like a huge concern of mine right at the moment. Um, you'd think you'd have a wealth of things to write about, and because of just the way of the world, but I don't know if I really know how to put that into, you know, uh, songs that I I want things to be realistic but you you want to be uplifting to a degree and you know there's just not so much to really be uplifting about but i mean i can't say yes and i can't say no i'd like to do a new album of of new songs and stuff like that but we'll see well especially you know considering the uh, possibilities of something again like like change up like this acoustic sound coming out of you like that that sounds really interesting you know just uh definitely yeah some songs like that but i know in the meantime though the the summer tour is finally happening that uh that uh got postponed and what what i mean talk Twice. about the lineup yeah right def leopard motley crew poison uh is that right is that the lineup yeah, for this that's the lineup that's that's insane that's amazing it's gonna, it's gonna be insane definitely I, i'm sure you know i i don't even know what to expect but 
if my memory serves me, I'm sure, you know, everybody was pretty crazy back in the day. And I'm sure, it, who knows? Who knows what to expect? I, I don't, but uh, it should be fun. And we had to postpone it twice because this was supposed to happen in 2020. And, you know, we still thought we might be doing it by, you know, March or April of that year. But then they finally said, there's no way and canceled. And then again, last year, we thought maybe we could do it. But so this is the year, I suppose. So <laughs> this is going to be fun. It. It's fun looking at that lineup and just looking at all the company you keep musician wise. I mean, you're, you know, scenes are a little bit less such a hard line these days than right. they were. But but even looking back, like, you know, coming from the punk world, there was a time when the punk world probably wouldn't have mixed with Motley Crue and Poison, you know, and and and, and then knowing what you've done with Nirvana and, and, you know, just on and on. How important was that ever to you? Like, it doesn't seem like you were ever stuck in like, you can only be in this one scene. You can only talk to this one type of artist. Exactly. I, I never wanted to be like that, even though for my own self, in, with my music, I didn't want to deviate. Like I said, even going playing acoustic was way, you know, way too far, mm -hmm. you know, from what I felt I was supposed to do at that time. So um, just that, yeah, we, we, because I've always, you know, mixed with all, all sorts of people and both career-wise and early in my career, um, we didn't always play with rock and roll bands. I mean, we played with uh, R&B groups and, uh, all sorts of different things. So I don't like to be so like that in my, in my personal life. You know, I know music should match up and, and there can be advantages to having some variety and just not being all, you know, one style of music. And I, I think that, like you said, these days, people are more open to that. I don't know, it's a good thing to have variety. Pure rock and roll. It's like own negative blood. It fits with everything. Pure rock and roll. Okay. From Kenny Laguna. Pure rock and roll. Like Chuck Berry. Pure rock and roll. It, it, like own negative blood. You can play with, with everybody. Nirvana and you can play with Motley Crue because it's pure rock and roll. So you fit. Yeah. I mean, it's all derived from the great masters who did the pure rock and roll. It's an art form that's being lost, but people like Kyle keep it alive. And thank you for that, Kyle. <laughs> but also, I mean, I think that, that within the umbrella of the word rock and roll, that, I, that I've played it, you know, I've done heavier rock and roll songs and I've done lighter rock and roll songs. And, you know, so it's really run the whole gamut, I think. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to be so stuck in one thing as far as with people you know you, you don't want to only be relating to one thing because then you can't learn anything too you know it's just redundancy maybe we'll skip ted dojin <laughs> you know i i do i do see what you say you know and, and it is true i mean um you know when we were all coming up genre was so important the t-shirt you wore was all that was oh. your identity you know that that was up and that but then you know eventually all of those songs just become part of your dna whether it's whether it's you know from a hair metal group or whether it's from saint vincent you know it all just becomes just this one thing and i completely agree with that and i see where it's coming from it actually kind of reminded me that you last year you know covering t-rex like that's yeah. that's one of the great examples of pure rock and roll and that by the way that cover of jeepster fantastic thank you so much and one of my first uh you know, crushes and my uh, big influence on my guitar playing was T-Rex and Mark Bolin. So, you know, that comes from, you know, the very beginning of me as an, an artist. So that was fun to be able to do something like that, you know? Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. I also love that you dropped your, um, I'll say trademark, uh, 
the scream, screech, howl, whatever you call that, the, like that's yeah. in there. Do you, is, was there a moment where you're like, oh, I've got something with this? Because that, that has become one of the great moments in your catalog too, when, when, that, when that gets to come out in a song. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that. But uh, I got that. I copied Mark Boland. If you listen to him in Bang a Gong, yes, he does a, a scream at the, after the breakdown there was a little guitar riff. And then he does a little ow. And, and I just always kind of copied that or tried to imitate it. And then when, when I started playing myself in, in the wrong ways, it just popped out. And then it became part, part of my DNA, I guess my musical DNA. So I love I just, it. I took that one from Mark. Yeah, I love it. Well, uh, I'll kind of wrap up here because the one other thing I saw that was kind of exciting is you did team up with uh, Epiphone uh, for a guitar called the, uh, the Olympic Special. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about this because this goes back to your own personal, right? It does. Because it, uh, I've been an owner of Melody Makers. I've used my whole life, Gibson Melody Makers. And then also... I had an Epiphone, an Epiphone, uh, it was a Sunburst guitar, I still use it, um, and it, I got it in the Runaways to, or maybe I got it, no, I got it in the very early Blackhearts to back up one of my other guitars, because, you know, you're always worried about getting something stolen or broken, so this was a backup guitar that then became my main guitar, and we thought it'd be a great idea, it's a very simple guitar no crazy nuts and bolts just volume tone i don't even know if it has a tone knob it's just a volume and an, an on off toggle switch um we decided to do it in in white just to give people an option if they wanted to mess with it themselves white is the great background so you can beat it up you can treat it like the goddess she is you can right on it we put some stickers in there so if you want to start you know some stickers that are on my guitar so if you want to kind of copy or mix and match or you know it's just a it's just a fun way for people to get a starter guitar or you know it works if you really know what you're doing too it's just a easy basic guitar that hopefully you don't have to you know mortgage your house for i i loved it too i mean this is this is exactly the kind of guitar that I wish I would have had right at the beginning. You know, it's, this is, this is, you know, or heck now I would still have fun with it. I mean, I, you know, what yeah, you but, do with that, the design I think is, is great. It's kind of the idea you had for that. So I, I do love that. So yeah. Thank stuff. you. Yeah. So Joan, in the meantime, uh, change up again, this is so exciting to kind of get this project out, you know, uh, the way it's come about, the way these songs sounds. I love what you do every single time. I cannot wait to hear more. Thank you. Did you get the baseball reference? I hope being in Louisville. You know, that's, well, it's hard not to. Yeah, it's that's all around me over here. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. Let's get that. Let's get the season started. Coming soon, uh, Joan. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it. Well, my pleasure, Kyle. Anytime. Now, last time I talked with Joan, it was uh, back in 2018, and she was joined uh, then, too, by uh, Kenny Laguna. Uh, I'm going to include that one here as well. This is when we were discussing the documentary Bad Reputation, uh, two of the new songs that have been on the soundtrack that have uh, just come out, Fresh Starts and her cover of Androgynous, that also included uh, Miley Cyrus and Laura Jane Grace. Uh, Joan also told me about the weight of uh, fronting a reunited Nirvana during uh, that Cal Jam that happened that year, she reflected on her 90s track fetish and uh, gave us an update at that point on what the future held. Let's do it. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Joan Jett. Hey, Kyle. And congratulations on uh, not only uh, the, uh, the the new documentary, but also that new song. I fell in love with Fresh Start right from the beginning. This is a hell of a track. Well, thank, thank you very much. That's good to hear. <laughs> Let's start there. Let, let's start with the music. Why not? I mean, Fresh Start, this is the, the first music I guess we've heard in, you know, since the last album, which has been about five years. Uh, how, was this one written specifically for the film, or, or was this something that you all have been working on anyway? I think it was something that uh, we were starting to work on anyway. And well, it was definitely finished at, for the film. It was, it was right, and, and, when, and we finished it for the film. It's got a classic sound. It's got a timeless sound. I don't know what's what's the uh, what's the process that goes into this one if there's any uh, good story behind that. Well, I think part of it is that Joan wrote it with uh, Doug Cangellosi, our guitar player, and they have a nice style. 
and it's it's like punky and poppy, and they ha- happen to hit a good good thought. You yeah. know, I keep thinking, when are they going to run out of titles? <laughs> so many good titles, right? And they just keep coming. I know. You know, we were just thinking about, you know, music, rock and roll, and uh, what do you write about as you get older in this world, in this rock and roll world, because it's always been sort of a, a, a young person's thing, you know, not the... It's just a different perspective, you know what I'm saying? You can't write about, you know, the, the clubs you're going to because it's a different you're in a different life now so how do you how do you write about that you know how do you do that and it's just really writing about life because it's no different than than anything else and i find it's very uh parallel to what a lot of people in life go through sort of um at some point a reevaluation of what you've done in life, making sure you're on a path that you want to be on. And, you know, if you aren't, hopefully you can change it. And if you are, just to kind of assess it, you know. And if you need a little kick in the ass to kind of give yourself one. So that, to me, that's what the song is about. It might mean something a little bit different to Dougie. I, I don't know. Or to each person. But for me, it's that sort of um, kick in the butt that we all need. And it might, you know, you don't have to be older to need it. I, I'd recently, uh, last week, uh, had an interview with uh, Jill Sobiel. I don't know if you know her. Um, she she had felt challenged on yeah her new record because she had overheard an A and R guy say something about no artist can write anything relevant uh, after they're over forty years old, which that that's sort of what I heard a little bit on this one. You know, it's like you know you you talk about it being a young person's game sometimes with rock and roll, but I don't get that with you. I mean, this this sounds as you know as furious as anything else out there <laughs> but you know it's if you fall into those into those guidelines that other people set then you get in trouble i mean really all of rock you're writing about life you're writing about life in a certain stage maybe when you're 18 but it's the same thing you know when you're 30 you're writing about that stage of life and what's happening at least for me i transfer a lot of what's going on in, into my songwriting and it, it you know so it doesn't really change to me if, if it's you just you're going through the same things but just different in 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 different ways and so to be able to translate that into understandable situations that other people can connect to in their lives and apply it to their lives as well is uh, really the goal you know to make that connection so they go oh sh- she knows what i'm talking about exactly you know and it's uh, that that sort of thing that you're hoping to achieve. I use this as a jumping point to, back to the uh, to the documentary that just came out, Bad Reputation, because a lot of these times, you know, the, these moments they tend to concentrate on an artist's early years. I guess because you have multiple nostalgia generations in there, and I and I sort of wondered as I look at Fresh Start, like what's the narrative for the last ten to fifteen years? Well, I, I thought our doc really covered the end. I mean, there was a lot of runaways. And you know, remember, John and I, we, we didn't control the film. The film was made by Carrie Ann Brinkman, who runs Blackheart, and Peter Afterman, a superstar musical supervisor who did the James Brown doc and worked on Crossfire Hurricane, Rolling Stones, and stuff. So th- these guys determined what story needed to be told. And I know amongst them there was a lot of talk about how much to cover the Runaways, but the Runaways is groundbreaking and it sort of sets it up. So there is a lot on the Runaways. But then all the stuff that happened with uh, Mia Zapata and the Riot Girl movement and uh, our involvement with the Grunge Acts and then uh, with Fagazi, that was all in the last 20 years, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing. You know, depending on your perspective, that might not be important to some people, but to me, it's 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 huge. But I'd say the last ten years, we did the we did the Runaways movie with Kristen Stewart and Dakota Fanning mm-hmm. that was covered, and then we've just been pretty much on the road after that. So, yeah, but there was the Hall of Fame that was in the movie. The some, Hall of Fame that was in the movie. Some Nirvana the, Hall of Fame, my Hall of Fame. Yeah. So we really did touch on it, what's going on in the last ten years. Yeah. V- very much so. I guess that's that's the part we're celebrating. I you know I sorry I think what I said came off as more of an accusation. Against 
against the documentary and I, when I didn't mean it. It's 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 nice because that is when you put these out. It's usually what they look at, you know, to cover a con, a complete right, career right. like that. I mean, it's it's outstanding everything right. that's happening and the stuff you said. But though, I'll jump back sort of to um, not to the Runaways, but you know, to 1980 when you all kickstart this, you know, the the Blackhearts side of things in in earnest. I started thinking, you know, both of you to be an independent artist in 1980 to be an independent artist now is probably much easier given the resources but i thought in 1980 you know it's almost like to me that i can look back on think you barely existed you know to the outside world you know as you're trying to do this because that's totally true yeah that's like, absolutely true and and for, to a large extent we felt that way Within two years after I Love Rock and Roll, we were back to that vibe, you know? Absolutely. What what gives you the indication that you're going to break through other than just, I don't know, you have to, you sheer will or whatever? Well, th- that's part of it. Part of it is that we weren't ready to explore other life options, but there was no other music business option. And when we found out that the record was a top import, we had a little deal in Europe and the records were coming out of Europe and we would like the number one import in America. So we got the idea, hey, let's make our own import. And obviously that's a fraction of the cost. And our original Joan Jett records, which became Bad Reputation, we printed right on the outside, it said import. It was printed on on the uh, on the jacket, and everybody bought it. Nobody said, "Well, wait a minute. Why would there be original artwork with import?" The tricks we play to make it work. Yeah, but, <laughs> but well, I mean, you know, out. that's what yeah. we had to do to try to get a foothold. I mean, you know, really, we wanted to get signed to a major. We wanted all those bells and whistles, but you know, we were really not wanted, as you can see from all those letters. But uh, there was just something in us. We knew we were doing the right thing. And I was certainly wasn't ready to give up. You know, I put too much into it without, uh, you know, just well, the uh, live, really. The live thing was going good. You know, if, yes. if, if, I hope the doc covered that enough. Mm-hmm. But when we started touring, we married it to radio stations. And it was like a kind of radio that existed then. It doesn't exist now, really. It was pretty freeform everywhere. So all the big stations, if they were rock stations, the jocks had a lot of leeway, if not 100%. And, um, you know, they're coming off a playlist, but they kind of decide what they take, and they have some leeway to, to play new records. So we had a lot of support like that. And then the PDs started getting on board. And with that help, the shows started selling out like crazy. And it got to the point where uh, we played South Long Island. Ten miles away, they had a shuttle highway. It was like Woodstock. Uh, but you're still talking 1980 here. Yeah, yeah. 81. And, and, and so we had that inspiring us and realizing we had something we were tapping into. And it could have just disappeared. But um, If we had let it, you know, but we just grabbed every, you know, everything by the tail and hung on. And that's the reason we moved to New York, so we could play more. Because, you know, if you're in L.A., you know, once you play the circuit, you know, the all the cities within the area, you're, you're kind of done. You know, where else do you go? It's a struggling band with no money that has to live in a van, and you're really counting every penny. Okay, like what she's saying is then you have to travel a thousand miles, and the, the key for us was to be able to go home after the gig so we didn't have to pay for hotels or anything like that or figure out how to sleep overnight. And, right. Uh, and, and so you could go from New York to Albany, New York to... In six states you can hit and get home. Allentown, Philadelphia, Washington D.C., Boston, Hartford, New Haven. I mean, it's it's like amazing what you can do. And every one of those places had a club. The drinking age was eighteen, so the clubs were thriving. And there it is. It was was just a good combination of you know working with the local radio and 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 just doing the work and getting out there and building reputation as a. It's a good live act, and, um, you know, just doing it every year. I mean, we've we've really been on the road. There's never been a year that I've not been on the road in my whole career. I've never taken a year off, never done anything like that. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Let me let me bridge the present to the past here, too, because uh, over the weekend uh, you were back there again fronting Nirvana, which I'll throw in little quotes right there. Uh, which you've got a long history with, because in, in a sense, this goes all the way back to what the the late seventies when you produced uh, the Germs, right? Yeah, actually, I think it was nineteen eighty. No, you no. might be right. Seventy nine. Seventy nine. Right. He's right because you met you made I Love Rock and Roll in Europe in seventy nine, and then you met me in seventy nine. Yes, 79. yes, seventy nine. So his, his date was right. I think it's seventy eight. And and we knew Kurt, we knew Dave a little. You know, we kind of met. Uh, we, Joan was producing Bikini Kill. Bikini Kill's drummer, Toby, was Kurt Cobain's girlfriend when we met all. The original before pre-courting. And, and then, of course, you know, Grohl goes on to play on Any Weather a little bit later on. But I, I was thinking, like, you know, you've done a lot of collaborations. You've, you've, you've been, with, you know, with a lot of other artists. But Nirvana seems like there's extra weight there. And, and I don't know if I'm projecting that or if that's true. But is that is that how it is? Well... It's weighty on all levels, you know. It's weighty because it's of who they are and who they were and what they meant to people and what they mean to people and what Kurt means to people. Um, it's very humbling and scary to be asked, but as a fan, there was no way I could say no, you know. There was just no way I could say no. And if, if I was getting the okay from the actual guys in Nirvana, I mean, you know, who am I to say I can't do this? So, you know, when they asked me for the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, I just was petrified but had to, had to do it. And was strangely calm that night, though. And it just it went great. I, I felt great about it. And, uh, you know, that was that. So this weekend, I, I just got a, a text out of the blue. The Foos are doing a concert out in California, the Cal Jam, which I think they, they run it. And they it's their show. And it was a big festival. And uh, I don't know. Uh, they just decided to do some Nirvana stuff. I guess the whole band was there because uh, Chris's other band was playing the festival and obviously pat and dave were there with with the foos and i i you know obviously i don't know what their dialogue about it was but i just got a call to see if i would want to do it again and and uh, you know i'm just so honored to be asked that it's very but it is strange and weighty and and i don't quite know what to think about it and i feel like i i do it and then i i look down and and walk away you know right because it's just you know it's not anything you can own it's it's you just do you do it as a conduit, you know. Two times now. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, long shot question here, but if Dave ever wanted to take that on the road, would you? Would you? Is that something you would also do? I, I can't even contemplate that, you know, because yeah. I just can't even. I can't even think that they would do that, or you know, I just. If it comes up, I'll think about it then. <laughs> I don't imagine he's going to do that, but, you know, fans can dream. And no, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Right, right. A couple more here, too, because uh, as I look through the soundtrack for Bad Reputation, uh, two tracks I wanted to ask about. Uh, Androgynous, uh, the, the cover there with uh, Laura Jane and Miley, That uh, what's the story? Is that newly released? Was that unreleased before this? Yes, the blue was unreleased, right, Ken? Yeah, that's the first, yes. We did it in Miley's backyard. Yeah, it was in Miley's backyard. Wow. But, but with real deal musicians and recording equipment. And and why that, uh, I mean, was that just the song that you guys were talking about? Was there any reason why you landed on Androgyny or Androgynous? Hey, either question is valid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, at, at the time, no, I think. No, uh, what it was is Miley was horrified reading about some people who had been discriminated against and started Happy Hippie, which is a um, uh, an organization a foundation that tries to help especially kids that are kicked out for being whatever. LGBTQ runaways and people that are, you know, thrown out of homes. And but, but especially transgender uh, suicides was bothering Miley. And so she, she just was doing what she could. She had Ariana Grande. She had other people helping her. 
but she she came to Joan, and then somewhere along the line, someone suggested Laura Jane, and topically yes. that androgynous, I guess, fits into the whole. And it was a beautiful, and it was a beautiful version as well. Mm-hmm. I think I loved it. It was a nice surprise on there. It really was. As I was listening in the background, like, wait a second. <laughs> what am I hearing right now? Yeah, and, uh, you know, personally, I think it's really topical, you know, about what uh, what's going on in, in our society in general. I mean, look, I can speak only for myself, but I've always felt kind of androgynous, you know, straight up the middle. Uh, you know, I just, um, so it's, it's fine for me. No, it was, it was a really awesome surprise. Uh, the other one I kind of wanted to... Uh, because Fetish, I hadn't heard that song in a long time, and I thought, what a different song that it sounds like. You know, it's not so far off from the things you've talked about, but I think that was, you know, late 90s or whatever that first came out. And it just seemed like, you know, for, for all the ways you had pushed the envelope before, that was you even pushing it a little bit further, you know, in, in whatever way. Yeah. How does that one sound to you these days? Yeah, what do you it. remember? Oh, I love it. I, you know, I, I, and the guy I, who books us, who's in the movie too, Elliot Saltzman. He's been with us since 1980. He says one day that song is going to cost Joan a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break! Are you kidding me? Every guy band <laughs> that we do it. <laughs> every guy band says fuck, and every rap act says fuck in their live shows all the time. It's not exactly the word fuck that's the problem. The problem is you're talking about... Girls aren't allowed to sing about sex. Girls aren't supposed to like S&M. See? See what I deal with? I mean, it's real, and it's still alive and potent. It sucks, and so that's why, yeah, I ram, I ram fetish down people's throats any minute, any time I get. If I can do that live, I will. No, it's fun. I mean, you rock know, and roll's not sexy. A, 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 a family situation yeah. gig, you know? Yeah, but the one thing we don't do, we, we don't go into Disney World and curse. And no, no, them. not at all. That's you what I'm saying. Well, not, so if it's a certain kind of gig, if it's a you know, regular hard ticket gig or something, or a little festival... So what comes next for you all? Because Fresh Start seems like exactly that. You know, the movie is behind, you know, the, the life story is told. This feels like uh, it could be the clean slate going forward. Uh, what, what, what happens next? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we're, we're going to be touring as well, I know. And we'll be working on some new music. But really, I don't know. I guess the world is our oyster. We'll see what happens. <laughs> did you, did I mean, you mention we're going to Australia in, in January? Well, I just we're, said, yeah, touring, yeah. yeah. yeah we had a sold out. It was sold out there, which is great news. We've been having a response, I guess, that goes through the new medium. Because in Spain, we didn't work the market. We didn't have a record company there. No releases for the last 20, 25 years. And France. And, and when we went to those places, we had huge crowds. So, Wait, Actually, let's explain that a minute. We, we, had, uh, we were on the road this summer. We were on a tour uh, with Sticks and Tesla. So it was, you know, a, a, a book tour. And, but last year, before we had signed on for this tour, they had booked a couple of uh, festivals in Europe that were right in the middle of this tour. So in the middle of this tour, we had to fly to France and Spain and do these festivals, having no idea, not not having been there forever, what what are what kind of response we'd get, what they'd think. First of all, of an American band with a political climate, we had no idea if any of that was going to factor in. Then the fact that we just hadn't released a record there or had any sort of profile at all, it seemed, like for years. And I'll tell you, man, the second I walked on the Air France plane, everybody started going nuts. And I'm talking about, like, young college-age girls taking pictures and whipping their phones out and the flight attendants going crazy. And when we got when we got there, I'll tell you, all the, these people were singing the words to our songs, all our songs, like off our last album, album tracks. It was amazing, and I don't really understand it. It was a, a tremendous response in both countries, with both places and the fans knowing the words and. It was a very diverse crowd. It wasn't, you know, uh, just a bunch of old rock and rollers. There's a lot of young kids, a lot of college-age kids, uh, men and women. I mean, it was really uh, eye-opening and and hard to sort of uh, figure out exactly what's going on. But in the end, I guess we don't really need to figure it out (laughs) in, in one sense. You know what I mean? It's just go with it. 
And so, um, you know, I don't know what's next. Um, we're just going to go with the flow, and hopefully good things come our way. It's, you're the essence of rock and roll, and I think that's what it comes down to a lot of. I mean, just in the past, you know, five minutes, we've talked about you're playing with uh, Sticks and Tesla against me, Bikini Kill, and Miley Cyrus, and I think that says everything about what you bring to music, you know, all around. Right. So negative. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, is you can't be, you can't be fearful to, to, you know, I mean, we're all in a, in a business, and years and years ago, when I was a kid growing up, you know, the, the, the stations played a variety of music. I, I listened to All Right Now by The Free, into Stevie Wonder, into the Jackson 5, into Bang a Gong. You know, it was, it was a very diverse, top 40 scene. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to lose that just because... Well, I I'm older. Start. I don't want to fall into these rigid right. sort of, oh, well, these guys, you know, I like, and these guys I don't. No, no. I mean, it's all music, and we're all entertaining, and it's all good. Right, but I also feel your pure rock and roll, which is, is like old negative blood, because it's, it's just rock and roll. Yeah. And it, it fits into everything. Well, I, I can say for what it's worth, uh, a side note here, uh, we do play, obviously, your music and Against Me and Miley, and I even played the new Sticks record because it was fantastic, so it's... It's never been a problem for us oh, to jump around. Yeah, see, you know, it's so funny. We get all locked yeah. in these, you know, what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. I'll tell you one thing. They are the nicest people. Those people, are, they're nice people. Yeah. Just like Gaul is another special one. I like the people that are they're not full of themselves. And there's so many there are, you know. Yes. Yes, it's really a breath of fresh so air when you... Yeah, you, so the, the Sticks guys were just great to be around, great guys, and uh, Tesla guys are too. But Grohl, Grohl's like the biggest guy, and he's down-to-earth, just like him and John together. It's unbelievable. The most two down-to-earth rock stars in the planet. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he's like the, the, the biggest guy on earth, one of the biggest guys, and he's just so never any kind of attitude with anyone who comes up to him. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's a thing to aspire to be because when people give you that much psychic energy, you know, it can be difficult to process it all. You know, when you got people coming at you at all angles, some people are nice and some people are a little bit more extreme. But to handle it all with such grace is, is really a gift. And it's, it's important because, you know, everybody obviously expresses themselves differently. I don't think anyone is necessarily meaning to come off in a way that makes Miley's you... another down-to-earth person. Yes, totally. And she, she has such empathy for people, which is, is terrific. Well, it just goes to show that you can you can still carry along the uh, the, the mythology that, you know, of, of rock and roll and, and be a human at the same time. And I think that's really important. Totally. Joan Kinney, thank you both so much for doing this. Congratulations again on this Bad Reputation film and the new song. Uh, I can't wait for, uh, for whatever comes next after this. Right. Well, we'll see you down there or maybe up here, wherever you come. But thank you so much for supporting the record. Yeah. Appreciate yeah, it. Yes, definitely. Hopefully you know, we'll get down to Louisville soon. Yeah, we'll be uh, glad to have you all. All right, thank you so much, and have a great day. Take care. So Bye-bye. All Bye-bye. right, keep rocking. And again, my thanks to Joan Jett and Kenny Laguna, as usual, as well. The new album is called Change Up. A big thanks to them and a big thanks to you for checking out the episode. Uh, Please do hit the subscribe button before you get out. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions. Anywhere you get your podcasts from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with for a new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots. Uh, That's mostly on Twitter, also Facebook and Instagram, though. All three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. They were just this hard plastic that didn't stay in your ears. So I never knew why people use them. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.